up, everybody, and welcome to the Grindhouse Morgue. You kill them and we chill them. We understand you are looking into the overnight position we have available. Well, that's great because we can't seem to keep anyone on the night shift. The only requirements we have are that you have a pulse and you're not a sex offender. We don't want you getting uh, fresh with the unfresh, if you know what I mean. Anyway, welcome to the team. I'm your host, a former determined street cop with substance issues, and that is my co-host, a way-too-friendly security guard with poofy hair. And today, we are covering a possession movie with a bit of a twist to it. 2018's Possession of Hannah Grace. Yeah, I think this is a... this is this is an interesting one. This is a, a different twist. Uh, I think everybody knows how I feel about the possession movies, uh, so I don't like to do them a whole lot. This one I was willing to do because it's a little different. We kind of start, well, we don't start start, but the the movie really gets going. The story of this movie gets going after the exorcism. So, yeah, I. I've- uh, maybe the only one I can think of that skipped the whole getting possessed and the exorcism part and jumped right into the, and it's kind of a different, a different twist. Like, you know, somebody being possessed that can't die. Yeah. Uh, with this movie, there's some things I like about it and then there's some things I hate about it. So agreed. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I'm st- this, I'm not going to say like, this is the possession movie, you know, it's, it's, it's better than your average, I would say. Well, I've learned some stuff, and we'll see what you get to at the end, because I know you always have some facts and stuff. But I learned some stuff that made me like this movie and hate it at the same time. Like, some things about it that I really liked, and then, you know, some other things that I didn't like. I don't know how else to say that, but we'll we'll get to we'll get to that after we get through the plot. But uh, I, I did learn some interesting stuff. Uh, but first, if you want to stay up to date on what is going on with us or the show, talk about or submit your movie request or just say hey, you can always find us at one of our social media accounts or our digital headquarters, a.k.a. our official website, thegrindhousehorrorpod.com. Uh, then we got the Patreon, which is the Grindhouse Syndicate Horror Movie Podcast, where you can catch our Tales from the Script series. Uh, Facebook at the Grindhouse Syndicate Horror Podcast. Instagram at grindhousesyndicate.horror.pod. Uh, TikTok, which is search Grindhouse Horror Podcast. And uh, subscribe and follow for alerts on new episodes. And if you really love us and don't want us to have to get a night shift job in the morgue, Give us a review. And as always, those links and more are always located in the show notes. Uh, The possession of Hannah Grace, also known as Cadaver in some other regions, which, by the way, that's actually the original title, is a 2018 American supernatural horror thriller film. That's a mouthful. Directed by Diedrich von Rosen and written by Brian Sev. It stars Shay Mitchell, Kirby Johnson, Stana Kaddick, Gray Damon, and Nick Thune. It follows a former police officer who encounters the supernatural while working in a morgue. Distributed by Sony Pictures and released on November 30th, 2018, it is 86 minutes long, had a budget of $7.7 million, and received 
generally negative reviews from critics. I see yeah. you got the real one now. I guess it's, my my no, it's been there. It came on there. <laughs> oh, I I know. I I for, I forgot. I guess my voice effects aren't needed anymore. Nope. But do you have Herb the Perv? No, I no, could. could. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm still needed for something over here. Despite that, though, it managed to make an impressive forty-three million dollars at the box office. Wow. Turn seven mil into forty three mil. Yeah, that's job. a that's a success. Yeah. I, I'll take the, those returns any day. Uh, principal photography began on November eighth, two thousand sixteen, in Boston, Massachusetts. Filming took place at New England Studios in Devons, Massachusetts. The film was shot entirely on a Sony A seven S two camera making it the first time a feature film was shot using a mirrorless, mirrorless full-frame camera. Uh, if you're into film, that would be a 2.39 by 1 ratio. It was also shot in 4K, 1080p. And the reason that that is a big deal and worth mentioning is because that is a consumer camera that you can purchase for two grand out of like a fucking Best Buy. Mm. Impressive. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. A lot of those, every about the last 45 seconds of your talking made absolutely no sense to me until you cleared that up. Yep. Um, I like to do it. But, yeah, I, 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 wasn't, I wasn't too happy with the cinematography on this. I wish they would have, uh, not because of the camera. Just I think the, the camera is a beautiful yeah, shot. I, think, I agree, I agree. The, the camera itself did a good job. It it did the cinematography good. It's just the camera angles and how it was done. Very very uh, possession movie, like mm-hmm. like every it's possession movie n- nowadays. Which I I hate that. I don't hate possession stories and possession movies. I just hate how they're all shot the same now. And that's something that really I thought brought this this really good story down a little bit. You said the original working title was Cadaver. Yep. It's I, cadaver. I like that. I think they should have stuck with it. Yeah, the director, he came here from the Netherlands, and he was originally supposed to do a uh, a remake of The Birds, I think. And that got stuck in development hell, and this was already a script, so he decided that he was just going to do this. This is eh. going to be his first American film. Well, well. I probably would have did the same thing. Shit gets stuck in developmental holdups and got sometimes that shit takes 10, 15 fucking years before it gets done. Uh, In October of 2018, the first trailer was released online, sparking a $12 million marketing campaign by the studio to promote the film. It was released in 2,065 theaters and made $6.5 million on its opening weekend. Damn, it almost made its money back opening weekend. Yeah. Uh, twelve. They sparked a $12 million marketing campaign, which is weird because I don't really remember marketing for this movie. Yeah. I don't know what they marketed on. I don't remember. Like, there's, MySpace. there's certain, there's certain <laughs> movies that I remember that was marketed really good, like The Witch, Paranormal Activity, uh, The Blair Witch Project was probably the best marketing you that's ever been when you say 12 million dollars in marketing 
that's the standard it should be at. It should be up there with those movies. That's a lot of money. I, yeah. I feel like to put into marketing for people to not hear about it. Uh, so ratings, Rotten Tomato, 21%. IMDb, 5.2 out of 10. Letterboxd, 2.1 out of 5. And the average audience rating is a 3.3 out of 5. If you would like to watch this movie, you can rent it on Amazon Prime, YouTube, Google Play, and Vudu for $3.99. Once again, old Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, you know, this isn't the best movie in the world, but but a 21% is pretty low. That's that's like a smack in the face. Yeah, I don't know I don't really know why they rated it so low. I didn't actually read uh any of their reviews because I knew they were going to be pretty negative. I already had my negative things about it, so I didn't really need to get it yeah. anymore. You know it's bad when you can watch a movie and you know Rotten Tomatoes is going to hate this movie. And there's so many great movies out there that that I watch and I'm like well, I know Rotten Tomatoes probably tore this movie apart. It shouldn't be like that. You shouldn't have like one, one uh, rating system that you can just tell by watching the movie. Like I've seen some super boring but really artsy movies get almost perfect ratings on on Rotten Tomatoes, and then there's been other movies like um, what did they give House of a Thousand Corpses? Like a eighteen percent, eighteen fucking percent, like. Come on, that that's a little ridiculous. Yeah, I don't I don't unnecessarily trust that. That's why I include like the letterbox because the letterbox is people that are really into movies are on letterbox. That's what letterbox is like social media for movie lovers, and that they get their rating based upon people that will watch the movie and then go rate it on letterbox. So that's why I like to include letterbox because it's more accurate from movie fans. Yeah, I think that the average, the average viewer one too. Yeah, average audience um, rating on Google. Anybody that Google's a movie can do a rating right there. Yeah, I think that's more uh, close. I uh, you know you, you get ten thousand people or thousand people rate a movie. It's it's gonna balance out. I I think that was probably the closest for this movie and a lot of movies we've done. Yeah. So plot. Time to jump in the plot. Let's get to talking about this shit. Let's plot it the fuck up. So the movie starts out with basically your typical exorcism. You got two Catholic priests, the possessed girl, and the girl's father in the room. And uh, by standard practice, the possessed girl is looking pretty rough. And she has her arms and legs strapped to the bedpost. Then we find out that the possessed girl's name is Hannah Grace, Obviously, this is very important for us to know that. Uh, The main priest attempts to wake Hannah when suddenly she opens her eyes to reveal one very bright blue eye, despite her uh, eyes normally being brown. I'll go ahead and just put it out here now because the blue eye thing comes up and we'll just squash this bug now. Um, So the blue eye is basically the demon who is possessing her. It's the mark go. of the demon. The mark of the demon. I'm pretty sure that's as a quote yeah. what her dad in the movie says. Yeah. It's the mark of the demon. Uh, so she hits the priest and he falls back. She begins to do possessed girl stuff. Her arms and shoulders begin like contorting, making this gross cracking sound. You know, kind of your stand. This, the whole beginning of this movie is very standard exorcism. It, it's good ASMR yeah. for those who are into that. 
I could fall asleep to this. <laughs> her bones cracking. <laughs> uh, ooh, <man. laughs> the priest began to exercise her with prayer. Um, I assume it's exercise. I, I'm not really sure the correct saying for that. My my spell check kept telling me that was incorrect. I think exercise is, is probably good. <laughs> Begin to exercise the, her. He's making the, her do push-ups. The, the exorcy exercised the exorcist. Uh, the exorcist. Um, anyway, yeah, so the father, uh, stops them and begins to try to plead with his daughter. The demon laughs at him and the priest continues. The main priest then lifts in the air and takes the shape of Jesus on the cross. Hannah then lets out a violent scream, which launches the priest backwards and into a giant crucifix. A sharp piece of the crucifix enters into the back of the priest's head and right out the front door, killing him. By front door, I mean his fucking forehead. Yeah, I think there was some CGI blood splatter in there that I thought was fantastic. I don't know if I've mentioned this, but one of my main like gripes is when movies do CGI blood. I fucking hate it. It is the worst CGI. Bro, do you remember when The Walking Dead, as good as they were, and I don't know about their later seasons, but they're... Their first, like, six or seven seasons, how good they were with practical effects mm-hmm. and why that why it set that show apart. Like Greg was, Nicotero, though. Yeah, it, it literally set the show apart. And then they did the Herschel death, and they did the CGI blood spray out yep. of his neck, and it was, like, such a letdown. It just never looks good. Ever. Ever. If anybody kills me in a movie, please, please do practical effects. Uh, So the second priest then begins to shout prayer at her, but she starts telepathically choking him. Her father then calmly walks over to a chair and picks up a small pillow. He then regretfully begins to smother her. After a few seconds of this, the other priest is finally let go and the possessed Hannah Grace is dead. And then we get the title card. Well, I don't know if I could kill my daughter even in this situation. I don't, I don't think I could, but I would be getting the fuck out of there. Like, I'm getting in my car, and I'm leaving the fucking state. Like, demons can't drive, I hope. I'm gone. There's a lot of stuff in this movie where I'd be, like, getting the fuck out of there. Yeah. Half this <laughs> movie is me. me, like, being like, all right, I'm, I'm fucking done. I'm out of here. But, yeah, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to do that in that situation to my daughter, even considering the circumstances, but I'm getting the fuck away. So next up, we meet our main character, Megan Reed, who I will go ahead and say it now is a very attractive woman. Uh, she's working out, punching a punching bag, running, being athletic, getting her exercise in. And then she goes to meet her sponsor slash friend, Lisa Roberts. Uh, and Lisa works at the Boston Metro Hospital. Uh, she's a nurse there, and she is introducing Megan to a doctor who is in charge of the Boston Metro morgue and looking for an intake assistant for the night shift. During her interview with the doctor, we find out that Megan used to be a cop, but something happened, and now she's not a cop anymore. Well, we'll find out about it later. Uh, We also find out that Megan doesn't believe in the afterlife, ghost, demons, or any of that stuff. We we learned that clearly this, uh, that the doctor guy who's training her is 
obviously does not fucking like religion. Like, do you see the way his eyes lit up? Yeah. The way he, like, creepily says it. She's like, I don't, I believe when you die, you're dead and that's it. And he's like, good, that's what I believe. Yeah. Tell me some more. Yeah, tell me more about just dying and seeing black. Uh, (laughs) They head down to the morgue and he tells her that in order to get in and out, she must have her uh, key card. um, And because this place is pretty locked down at nighttime. Uh, So let's talk about the morgue. It is basically a very modern gray concrete everywhere. It's huge. It's got like two story tall ceilings. Um, I will point out that when I watched this movie for my second time today, I kept an eye out and I didn't see one fucking glimpse of the ceiling in any shot. Uh, the ceilings are so tall, you never see the ceiling of the morgue. Was it shot in a in a actual place? I mean, not. I think not it was a morgue. A, no, I pretty positive it was a set that was built, and it yeah, was just lights well, up there. That's probably why. I will say, if this was a morgue in real life, they they put a lot of money into this. Yeah, uh, I I will get into the morgue later. I have a lot to say. I uh, feel like most morgues aren't this nice. They're not even half this nice. No. Uh, but pretty much, it's a concrete and glass art deco morgue. <laughs> uh, it is. Yeah. It is a hipster morgue. If you are a hipster, you would absolutely love this place. Uh, so the doctor also tells her that she will be there alone at night doing data entry and intaking bodies when the ambulance drops them off at the drop-off area. Once a body arrives, she takes photos of the injuries, takes fingerprints of the person, and runs them through the computer. And then finally puts them into the morgue's cooler. I personally think that she would need way fucking more training to do the job that he's like. I I feel like his version of just going over this stuff real quick is not enough. Yeah, I agree. I feel like if this if that's the case, this is a super easy job. Did you catch how she kind of got an attitude though? And yeah, I'm like, I, that was how my you next gonna come note. in and act like you've been doing this shit for twenty years, like. I would be appreciative of somebody going and showing me how to do stuff instead of just throwing me in there and, and letting me fuck up a bunch. And she's totally got like a bitchy attitude. Yeah, it, it's specifically with the fingerprinting. And she's basically like, you know, I'm a fucking cop. I know how to fingerprint. But I will say that um, when I get new people, every now and then I get new people at my job and I have to make sure that they're trained correctly and uh, sometimes I get somebody that says, yeah, I've, I have experience in this. I know what I'm doing. And I learned that you can't trust that because they may not be doing it correct or they may be bullshitting. Oh. So I train. I tell everybody like, well, if you already know how to do it, we're going to go over it anyway. And I, I have to kind of cover the same shit for everybody. So yeah. I don't blame him. Things are done different at different places, yeah. too. That's another thing, you know. Their their fingerprinting system might not be the exact same. This it looks like the morgue, morgue is better. Yeah, it looks like the morgue's better. Like, do you see the the incinerary? Like, it's touchscreen. Like the whole touchscreen. I'm. Do you think there's a Starbucks in this morgue? Yeah, there should be. <laughs> where Where can we get the uh, white chocolate mocha? There's a Tesla dealership in this morgue. <laughs> And definitely a dive bar connected to it. Oh, yeah. 
where is the craft beer area in the morgue? Could you point me in the direction of craft beers? IPAs, please. Uh, some IPAs. So after this, the doc gives her the job and she is to start the next night. We then get this kind of um, weird part in the movie where it's showing her like jogging and working out again, but it's mixed with shots of credits and a gruesome dead body that has been beaten, burned, and cut. It's Bruh. it's like an intro to a TV show. I liked it. I, I thought I, it was. I don't know if I like know, it or not. It was just I like liked it. It was like if you had like an HBO show about a morgue worker cop, this would be the intro. I liked it specifically for the practical effects. Oh, I'm about to talk all I about that. I thought they were really fucking cool looking. And uh, anytime I don't, I don't care what movie it is. If you want to throw some really good chopped up practical effect bodies in there, like. Go, go for it. Christmas movie, throw it in there. Of course. All right, so we'll talk about uh, the dead body because it looks fucking amazing. The crew did a phenomenal job on this, and I want to give a big shout-out to Adrian Morit, an amazing FX artist. He, ha- he, he did the doll for Megan. He made that. Uh, he worked on Eli Ross Thanksgiving. He did Scream 6. He did 2019 Pet Cemetery. He did fucking Brain Scan. Like the li- if you go look this guy up, the list of shit that he has done and worked on, because I just named some of the horror movies that he he done. He he's got a fuck ton of humongously big movies. Yeah, this this guy did an amazing job, and he specifically mentioned that. He wanted to do as much practical effects as possible and limit the C- CGI stuff. And uh, I give him huge, huge credit for that. But one thing that's that's really sad is I wasn't able to take in how scary and how creepy looking she was until I watched the special features. Really? And that that is because of the way this movie was shot. It's, um, you know, your typical possession movies. You had those flashing always got flashing lights there's strobing lights always somewhere you always have these camera angles that jump around you have these just just crazy like over effect voices in it too i mean that that doesn't take away from how she looks but that's just typical in all possession movies just the, the camera angles and the way it's shot you always get these really up close face shots too yeah like um i, I thought that if you shot this movie with her in it and the way she could contort her body in the way that the original Exorcist, say, was shot, where it's more that less is more feel, you feel like you're there in the room, this could have been such a scary movie. Yeah, they do. They Because most of her in the movie is what? From like the chest up. She's mostly in that bag. And we do, uh, towards the end, we see her moving around. But what they do is they focus on like Megan and her moving around in the background, so it looks cool, but it's it doesn't look as cool as it could because you you're not focused on what the cool shit she's doing. But yeah, there's a lot of like CGI crawls on the wall too that she obviously couldn't do. You don't know that. I don't know. She well, I didn't know she was doing all these contortions either. But that that kind of goes back to what I, I was saying. She's so good at doing that. But it was hard to tell that that wasn't CGI because of 
kind of the way it was shot. But th- there's a in the uh, special features. There's a shot of her actually cr- crawling on the ground. Like you get a closer shot of it. And most of the shots in the movie, when you do have her actually doing it, is from far away. I think that they could have shot this movie just for the amount of time and work that the actress and the the effects guy put into this character. I thought they didn't do it justice. We'll jump into some of the little special effects stuff real quick. Um, So there are around 20 prosthetics used for the whole body. Uh, They are mostly made from medical-grade silicone, which is very, very thin. And because it is so thin, they do uh, the silicone in layers with, uh, like, glue in between it. They kind of build that up, and then they're able to kind of shape it for how they they want it, and it blends in with with her actual skin really good. And once they have it on all, have it on, and it's, like, all dried and everything— Pretty much because there's like a whole area of her that's burnt. They then go in with like stencils and airbrush and kind of airbrush all that stuff. And uh, for the badly burnt areas, they actually burned pieces of pork, then made silicone molds for the prosthetics, yeah. which is cool. Yeah, that was something I was going to see. I, I I thought you would mention that at the end in the facts. But yeah, that, that was one of the coolest things in the special features. Like they literally went and burned flesh. And then took clay, molded it, and made silicone prosthetics to put on her. The amount of work that goes into that, I feel like we didn't see that enough in the movie. Yeah, I didn't even know that was on the disc. Uh, I found it because I started researching the FX artist that did that did her from this movie because I wanted to uh, shout him out and kind of talk about how he did it. And then I seen that there was like a documentary on the Blu-ray, and I'm like, I got the Blu-ray right here. All right, so yeah, that was a that was a kind of researched my way right on in there. Yeah, shout out to him. He yeah. gets the Grindhouse Syndicate Award for this movie. So uh, also, we see in this little intro thing that Megan's boyfriend was also a cop, and we see that uh, his personal items and pictures are packed up in a box. So next we see Megan arriving for her first night at the morgue. She meets the two hospital security guards that patrol and sit at the front desk. One is kind of a dick, and the other one, whose name is Dave, is a little too nice. Carrot top. He's this guy he's was into her. Totally carrot top. Yeah. And you get a, a sense really early on in this movie that Carrot Dave is that guy that you work with that you fucking hate when you look at the schedule and see you got to work with them. Well, especially if you're an attractive woman. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. She was a cop. She probably, like, you think when a, when an attractive female goes into, like, a police department, the amount of, like, beating guys off with a stick, <laughs> beating guys off with, not, not a beating guys stick? off. <laughs> <laughs> Probably a lot of beating guys off too, but um, yeah, you. She was polishing my nightstick. That's it. I swear. <laughs> yeah, she's probably used to it though. She was cleaning my gun barrel. Megan heads down to the bomb shelter slash morgue and begins her night on the computer. We then see Megan uh, get startled by a loud buzzing noise with lights flashing, and this means that she must go down the stairs and meet the ambulance drivers to intake a new body. There's nothing really special about this body. It's uh, like an old man. He looks kind of normal. He looks 
old. And uh, Megan takes some pictures, runs his prints, and places him into the cooler. Uh, While placing him into the cooler, Dave purposely scares her. She gets pissed. Dave is acting like they have known each other for a long time for some reason. I don't really know. That that was kind of weird. We've all worked with this guy, too. It's it's weird. We've all known somebody who tries to, like, be really good of friends, like, immediately. Yeah. 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 I I knew, uh, I mean... I've worked many jobs like that, and I know you probably met people in the army like that. Because I know there's one guy specifically. There's always that one was one hundred percent that guy, and uh, everybody fucking hated it. So a little bit later, Megan is returning from the bathroom when she spots a guy standing in the hallway. When he turns around, she recognizes him and immediately begins to have a panic attack. We then catch a glimpse of a situation when she was a cop. We uh, don't really see much. But we do see her uh, pointing her gun at someone, another officer bleeding from his mouth, and her leaning against a wall crying. We then see her grab a bottle of pills and hold two in her hand while staring at them. We jump on over to a scene where Megan is in a therapy group explaining why she left the police force. Basically, what happened is uh, her and her partner pulled some guy over Uh, This guy pulled a gun and shot her partner, and she just froze up. The guy gets away, and Megan has an emotional breakdown on the side of the road. Yeah, she she fucked up big time. You know, she totally pulls the gun on this guy and has a chance to stop him, and then it gets her partner killed. She went into the wrong fucking profession. If you freeze up in in high-stakes moments, don't don't become a cop. That was... You would think that's probably not the first, like high adrenaline moment that she's had in her life maybe she was maybe she is new maybe she's a rookie i don't know maybe but still i mean don't it's it just it was the wrong job for her maybe before she was a cop she worked in the uh, starbucks and the morgue that'd be kind of crazy probably um all this stress and trauma from the situation caused her to become addicted to alcohol and pills she quit the force and got sober unfortunately though The next morning, we learn that she didn't get sober fast enough to keep her boyfriend. He comes over to get his boxes, and they have a small argument. The next night, we are back at the morgue with Megan. She hears the intake alarm and heads downstairs. But this time, there is no ambulance. Uh Uh-oh. Dun-dun-dun. Bum-bum-bum-bum. Yeah, I don't have that sound effect. I did it bad, too, so... You can redo it. Bum, 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 bum. I can't hit yeah. them. Okay, <laughs> we'll just cut that out. A scruffy-looking man appears on the other side of the glass, attempting to convince Megan to let him inside. We recognize uh, this guy as the possessed girl, Hannah Grace, is father from the beginning. Megan uh, n- is not dumb, though. She isn't falling for this shit, and she heads back up to the morgue and alerts security guards. Immediately after, she hears the alarm again and heads back down. This time, she does find an ambulance waiting in the intake bay. She opens the door and meets a friendly EMT named Randy. And he explains that he is by himself tonight because his partner called out sick and needs a hand with the body. He needs a hand with the body. Yeah, this, this, um, (laughs) I would be like, I'm not fucking doing that. I already have to deal with the body. Like, I'm not, no, no. 
That, you're on your own there, buddy. Well, I can't. I would actually, I, I thought, you know, I would have helped him. <laughs> no, no, she specifically told, you cannot leave this building at any time. And her, like, second dead body that comes in there, what does she do? Leaves the fucking building. Uh, her and Randy take the body up to the intake room where they open the bag to find Hannah Grace's mutilated, burned body. Randy explains that the cops came upon a man in an alleyway cutting her up. He was unfortunately able to escape and police are still searching for him. Randy thinks that the girl was murdered by a drug dealer or a pimp. Pimpin. Pimpin. Uh, Randy is kind of babbling on about this murder, but Megan is deep in thought and looking at the body. Bro, I would have thought the cartel killed her if I seen this. Like, this is rough. This is an yeah, interesting interesting spot in the movie, too, as somebody who's watching it for the first time. Because you see the scene of her being suffocated in the beginning of the movie. And then this is where you learn that that wasn't the end of it. Like yeah. Some shit really went down after that. And this is when you start trying to connect those dots in your head. Um, so this is a really significant scene in the movie. It's kind of that, oh shit, like what the fuck happened? How did she go from being smothered to death to literally like burnt and cut up and beaten and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Every way you could kill somebody they did to her. Uh, so she is very intrigued and wants to investigate cause she's a cop. It's in her blood. It's in her DNA. Once a cop, always a cop until she freezes up. Even though she was a traffic cop, not a detective. Yeah. <laughs> She was working to be a detective. That Maybe is, she should have been a detective. She wouldn't is, have had to fucking freeze up. That is one of my humongous problems with her character. And kind of one of my negatives for this movie is she's like, I mean, the character she's playing, you would have thought she had been a detective for 20 years. And she's been doing it so long she can't turn off those, you know. But I'm like, you were pulling people over in their car, like and traffic Probably stops. not very long. And I'm sure she got fired. Like, I'm sure she didn't just leave her job. I'm sure they were like, you know, you kind of got somebody killed. We can't have a cop who's going to freeze up when some shit happens. I would imagine, like you said earlier, she was probably a rookie cop. She was probably a cop for like, she's that guy who quits in basic training and then puts like shit for Veterans Day on his on his page and yep. calls himself a veteran? They exist. I have met them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We went to basic with at least one that I know yeah. of. Uh, but she basically tells Randy to fuck off, so he leaves. So some of the injuries we see on Hannah are a very deep laceration on her neck, almost severing her head. The right side of her arm, shoulder, and torso, and half her face is burnt. She has a very large, very deep laceration on her hip, continuing to her stomach, and many other small bruises and cuts. It basically looks like they have been trying to kill her in a bunch of different ways. Bro, that cut on her abdomen and throat are brutal. I loved it. Thought it yeah. was great. They really, like, it, the practical effects, they... They did it where it was deep. Like, it went deep. Yeah, they were saying during the little documentary, is like, when they made it, when they built it up, and she just kind of stood there normal, you could tell it was like a built-up 
prosthetic. But then when she did the her, you know, her weird neck contortion that she could do, it made it look like it was. Um, and I guess that's why every shot of her laying on that table, her head's cocked to the side, and so that laceration looks like it's super deep. Yeah, I don't think they planned that when they made this movie, but she was able to contort in a way they were like, "We got to have that in the movie because it's super creepy." Like it looks like her head's falling off almost from the the cut. And they even went in and added like all the veins and did the anatomy in the neck. So when she actually closed her head, like they all matched up and and closed back together. Just an awesome job on that. So Megan goes to take pictures of these wounds when all of a sudden the lights cut out and the camera malfunctions. She tries again, but the camera just keeps saying error. And on the third attempt, the camera actually shocks her with electricity. And she said, well, that's enough of that. She should have paid more attention in her training. Yeah, her uh, 20-minute training that she got. Uh, she then attempts to fingerprint her, but guess what? The computer says, negative, my friend. It also refuses to work and also keeps telling her it's an error. But she was a cop. Don't she know how to take fingerprints anyway? She knows how to get the computer killed. Uh, so she just says a fuck it and decides to put Hannah's body in the cooler for the night. And while she is doing this... We see some tools and a glass jar fall off the table and break. Next, we see Megan use her ex-boyfriend's credentials to hack into the police system to look up Hannah's driver's license, where it says her eye color is brown. Megan checks the blue eyes on the body and begins to suspect something is wrong with the identification. The logins, I'm pretty sure that you can't just access the, there's not like a, just a a police database. You can just go to the website on any computer, like no, no security, no VPN, no, no authentic, authentication, authentication. I feel like I fucked that up last week too. No, Um, you did one. I took it out though. Don't worry. All right. (laughs) Don't tell anybody. Um, yeah, I, his password was her name. It oh, was just Megan, too. No, no fucking way, because I've had to create a million passwords for everything for this fucking show, and everything has to have a capital letter, That's- has to be six to eight letters, and it needs a fucking number or a special character or some shit. Yeah. No way. No way. Yeah, <laughs> at my job, the passwords, because it's like, you know, protected uh, information through like HIPAA, it's like, I have to have 15 characters. Do you know how long it takes me to figure out a password that I'm going to remember with 15 characters with at least three capitals, three lower cases, and three special characters? Like, there's just, no just way. Just use your wife's name. Yeah, there's, there's no <laughs> way that they allow, like, not only is this can't be a website you can access from any computer, but your password can just be, met. like, why is my Walmart login or my Walmart app? Harder than it is to log into the police database. So right after this, Megan starts to hear a bunch of commotion in one of the back rooms of the morgue. She then notices that Hannah's body is missing from the cooler. Upon investigating the back hallway, she is suddenly attacked by Hannah's father, slash the guy who tried to break in earlier. He pulls a knife on her, but she quickly disarms him and fights him off. Guess all that punch and bag training paid off. She gets to the knife, but he vanishes down the hallway. She calls the police and then finds him in the room that houses the crematorium. She peeks in and sees him attempting to burn Hannah's body. 
I don't think when I first seen this movie that I knew at this point that it was her her dad until he tells her. I actually remember the first time I seen this movie, that being kind of a surprise to me. Because uh, we didn't know who this mysterious guy was. Like, he when he creeps in the hospital and goes up the elevator and you see a couple shots of him. Do you remember the first time you watched this? I don't... If that stuck out to you? I don't really remember if it did or not. Uh, what's interesting is he, in the official cast listing, does not have a name. He does not. I mean, you would think they'd at least called him, like... Hannah's father? Like, Mr. Grace or something? I, I don't know. It was weird. She confronts him, and he attacks her, and as soon as he gets her on the ground, two security guards burst in and restrain him. After he is handcuffed, they begin to drag him away and he begins to yell to Megan that you have to destroy the body and that she is not dead. While Megan is putting Hannah back into the cooler, she gets a call from her ex-boyfriend, Andrew. And while she is on the phone, we see Hannah's body quickly jerk in the background. I like that stuff. I did. That yeah. that was, um, I, I remember... When I first seen this movie, and it kind of caught me again, I didn't expect the movement yet. Like, I didn't think we were there yet. And because you see, you, you know they made a prosthetic of her laying yeah. there. And so they did such a good job, you can't tell the, the difference between the prosthetics. So when it moved, it kind of kind of freaked me out for a second. Uh, Megan goes to inspect the body, and when she leans in close, Hannah's mouth opens and lets out a quiet groan. After this, we see Megan's friend Lisa come to check on her. She tells Megan that after the attack from earlier, no one would be upset if Megan took the rest of the night off. But Megan refuses. She tells Lisa about the groan from the body that she just seen, and Lisa shrugs it off as leftover air just escaping from the lungs. Megan feels relieved about this, and they decide to grab some food together. A little bit later, Dave comes down and informs Megan there is a cop there to see her. She heads up while Dave covers her spot down in the morgue. So the cop that's there is Andrew and he tells Megan that the guy who attacked her is still unidentified and refuses to say anything to the police. Megan then asks Andrew to run Hannah's fingerprints for her because her computer keeps coming back with an error. She believes that Hannah has been misidentified because her eye color is different from what her ID says. And this is where Andrew smiles and says, once a cop, as in once a cop, always a cop. And I, I put in my notes, this drives me nuts about movie cops. It's like being a cop is their personality. Like, it's their identity. Bro, it's like a Marine. Yes. I, I, no offense to any Marines out there listening, but people from the Army don't do that. Like, it is, yeah, like, no, it is like inbred in their... Like, once they get out of boot camp, it's like they're a different person. It's They are once a Marine, always a Marine. Even if you got chaptered out two months into your duty station... Yeah, that the movie cops, man, every one of them is like everything about them's cop related. And it's just, man, I I don't know, man. I feel like that is bad writing because I know there's probably some cops like that, but I'm sure 
that there are a ton of actual cops in the real world that when they get home and they take the shit off, their whole life's not cops. Yeah. And it's surrounded by police stuff. And, you know, everything about them goes back to, like, law enforcement. I, I'm, I'm sure that that's, you know, the case. But not movie cops. If it's a movie cop, did, you know, it's always going to be like this. Did did we pass the part where he calls her out for stealing his annex? Uh, this is the part. I actually don't even talk about it, though. Yeah, except when he shows up and he asks, asks her. Bro, she 100% gaslights the fuck out of him on this annex. Well, of course. She's like, you know, has... But issues you, with substances like they do that people like that that's what they do you don't realize it's this bad at this point though but they show a, a shot of her earlier in the movie with the pill bottle and she pours them in her hand she's looking at like the the two pills but then this scene happens and you're like oh fuck she sucks yeah like she totally stole his entire prescription of xanax and then gaslighted the fuck out of him and got mad at him for asking her about it. Yeah, I, I think this is a little... Very realistic. I think this is a, a, a little glimpse inside of... Because uh, why he seems like he obviously still cares about her and all this stuff. And then you think, well, you know, why are they apart? And then this little part is kind of... You see. Yeah. You, you understand why he said, I gotta go. Yep, absolutely, because it is confusing when he comes and gets his stuff, which is a very realistic scene, by the way. He shows up, and he kind of, like, they kind of both miss each other, but then it turns into a fight somehow immediately, which is totally happens in real life. Uh, but, you know, you can tell that he still cares about her, and then, like you said, this scene is like, oh, yeah, she sucks. I don't blame him for moving the fuck yeah. out. Uh, so while down in the morgue alone, we see Dave begin to hear odd noises coming from the cooler room. He decides to go investigate, and I was like, nope, fuck that. I would wait for someone else to come down. I would not be down there investigating strange noise, especially after they just arrested a guy broke in. I hate this guy. It's the only wow. one in the movie. Carrot, <laughs> Carrot Dave, man. Uh, I don't dislike him. You don't dislike. How did you not pick up on? He's that. He's just that guy. I know he's that guy. But he, I don't Bro, know. Bro, did you catch when they walked off and that that uh, her sponsors like you want some fries and he's like I'll cover the spot and they walk off and he sniffs the French fry like he holds it up to his nose and sniffs the French fry before he eats. Yeah, it. I don't really get why he did that though. I don't either. I was gonna ask you. Like no, I thought. I, I, don't I, don't know. I don't know if that was gonna get brought up. Have you ever sniffed French fries? Mm, I don't know. I'm. I'm. I can't imagine really what you would smell on the French fries. <laughs> and, and then when her dad is trying to burn the body, he gets his fucking ass whooped and then cut. Takes the other security guard coming up there. That is the very reason why you should not just hire anybody to be a security guard. And the security guard companies do this. Oh, yeah. They will hire almost anybody. And this is the very reason why you don't want just anybody in charge of your security. Especially in a morgue. So he starts to hear uh, scratches from inside the cooler where Hannah's body is being kept. And again, I say, fuck no. I am definitely not opening that at all. Uh, for some absolutely insane idea, Dave decides to open the cooler 
where we see Hannah's body is no longer there. He sticks his fucking head, I repeat, his whole goddamn head, poofy red hair and all, into the freezer where Hannah grabs him and attempts to pull him in. Like, no fucking shit. What did you think? You hear scratches, you open the door, and then you stick your head in and expect everything to be okay. Bro, he's a security guard. He had to make sure the security of that freezer was okay. No, not sticking my head into a box where you keep bodies. Yeah, I agree. This was stupid. Not doing it. Why? You are a fucking security guard. Why are you even fucking with the bodies? Yep. Uh, she then uses her powers to hold him in the air and uh, in a crucifix-like position while breaking his wrist, hands, and legs. This is her finisher. You stole that from me. <laughs> she then pulls him into the cooler with the door slamming behind him. We then hear Dave's muffled screaming before a sudden neck snap. That neck snap was fucking loud. <laughs> yes, it was. Uh, Megan returns but can't find Dave. She looks around, but after a minute, she's like, whatever, fuck him. Uh, we then see her head to the bathroom, where I must interject to ask, are we really getting a scene of her shitting right now? <laughs> I was typing notes. I, did, I remember it now. I remember it she's like shitting. out of it. She is shitting. Yeah. That's, um, that's a weird thing to put in the movie. Yep. Like, why? Uh, I've watched it twice. Oh, wow. Well, I, I have to... <laughs> yeah, I was into it. Um, I mean, I have to watch the movie twice for the show. And the first time, I'm like, maybe there was like some trickle of pee or something, and I just... Maybe I'm wrong. And then the second time, I'm like, I'm going to watch and see if there's evidence of pee, because I'm pretty sure she's shitting. And uh, yes, she is shitting. <laughs> it's just weird, man. That is a weird thing to put in the movie. Uh, she also says, Dave, is that you? You know Dave would be trying to catch a glimpse of her dropping loads. Yeah, yeah. Dave is that guy. Yeah, like he, She knows he it, too. That's be. why she yells for him. Like, yeah. Dave, Dave get are the you fuck being out that here, guy? Dave. Are you being that guy? Are you trying to watch me shit? You like what you hear, Dave? Uh, while on the <laughs> shitter, we see Megan's rubber ball roll under the stall door and a burnt hand quickly snatch it away. This freaks Megan out where she jumps up and forgets to wipe and leaves the bathroom. She died with a shitty ass, man. <laughs> that sucks. Oh, man. Uh, you know, her and Andrew go home to smash after all this. And then he's like, wait, wait a minute. And she's like, oh, I did forget to wipe when I was shitting earlier. Oh, man. So much happened. Gross. Um, she then gets a call from Andrew about the prince. He asks her if she made a mistake because his records show that Hannah Grace has been dead for three months. You would think that this would reinforce her idea about the body not being Hannah Grace. But yeah. it kind of makes her more suspicious about, I don't know. I mean, it do, it doesn't seem like that's what that, what it does. It kind of. Kind of gets her more into like, how how have you been dead for three months, Hannah? Instead of maybe this is mistaken identity. Yeah, yeah I'm I'm gonna say. At this point, I'm I'm done. I'm leaving. I don't no. care if if like, 
Can I get a lift? No, I'm done, man. Like, even if I thought, like, okay, maybe, maybe I'm imagining this stuff. With her, like, PTSD and shit she has from the stuff when she was a cop. And she's, I mean, we see it in the beginning. She has some pretty bad PTSD. I would be like, I got to get out of here. Like, I'm seeing shit that's either not happening or something here is happening. And I don't want to fucking be here for it. Time to pop those Xanax and get the fuck out of here. Yeah, I mean, they even said she could have the fucking night off because, I mean, some guy just tried to, like, slash her throat. But I need this. Yeah. I need to finish this shift. It means everything. I didn't get that either. Like, Uh, I have to finish this shift. I'm a cop, and you know cops finish what they start. (laughs) (laughs) It's like her, like, second or third day on the job. She's like, I've got to finish this shift. Maybe she had bills due. Maybe. Maybe she was, like, relying on that. That's kind of realistic. Like, if somebody came to me and had bills due, and they're like, hey, you you can take the night off. Like, well, are you going to, is it a paid night off? Or, I, I've got to finish, I've got to pay rent. Like, this means so much to me. Uh, Megan then Googles Hannah Grace, where she finds out that the Catholic Church believed Hannah to be a victim of demonic possession. And they tried to exercise her, which resulted in her death. After Why seeing, would they put that on the internet, bro? Like the Catholic Church. The Catholic, <laughs> it's been a long night. I guess. The Catholic Church is like, yeah, we, we killed her on accident. We thought she was a demon, so. Turns out she just had a medical emergency, but we don't believe what, in what science. What was this on? Was this like the Catholic Church Facebook page? It's like the anti-Catholic Church. Like, look what these bastards did. After seeing Hannah's picture <laughs> on the computer, she goes to look at the body again. Half this movie is Megan looking at Hannah's body with a concerned look on her face. This yeah. happens so much. It's, it, it's like every 10 minutes, Megan's opening that bitch back up. Pulling her out, unzipping the bag, and then staring at her like she's like an investigator. Like, hmm, what's going I on think here? When this shit first started, I may have went and like check, you know, double check. Like if I heard her, if I thought I heard her breathe. I don't know though. Even I know bodies like can expel gases after they die. Like they, matter of fact, all bodies expel gases after they die. So maybe not the breathing thing, but. As stuff started going on, you know, maybe I would have been curious at first. By this point, I'd have been like, I'm not going anywhere near that. I got like four hours left and I'm off work and I'm going home and I'm fucking forgetting this shit and praying to God this bitch is fucking, the day shift burns this bitch up and I'm done with it. Yeah, uh, the difference between me and her in this situation would be, I don't really care. (laughs) like i'm gonna sit in my glass concrete office and wait for the morning crew to show up and it's their fucking problem because what can i do what am i gonna do with her fucking dead burn up cut up ass like but she's a cop but she's a cop you know even though somebody's not a cop somebody's gotta fix this and who else is gonna do it but a cop. But it's a good thing because Megan notices that the biggest fuck gash in Hannah that she had on her hip slash torso is now completely gone like it was never there. Megan then decides to review the camera footage from the morgue 
where she slows down the video into frames and sees an all-black figure crawling on the floor. She then goes upstairs to get Lisa and show her the footage. Lisa's like, uh... I don't fucking know. But while Megan is explaining, Lisa spots a pill bottle full of Xanax with Andrew's name on it. And remember, Lisa is also her sponsor. Well, Lisa confronts Megan about the pills. She says she hasn't taken any. She just keeps them close as comfort when she is having a panic attack. So Lisa believes her, but explains that an addict's brain will make things up to cope with stress. And she thinks that Megan is just seeing shit. An agitated Lisa storms off into the stairwell to smoke a cigarette, and as she is lighting it, two drops of blood fall onto her hand. She looks up and sees Dave about four flights up. She calls out to him but gets no response. She then decides to go up and look for him, and as she gets to the top, she walks slowly around the dark corner and sees Dave standing in the corner with his neck twisted and blood coming out of his mouth. Hannah then appears from the shadows, scaring the shit out of Lisa. Lisa then runs up the last flight of stairs and onto the roof. Why the fuck would you run to the roof? Yep, that is what I have in my notes. Typical horror movie fuck up. Why in the fuck would you think to go to the roof? Like, my my first idea would be get to the bottom and get the fuck out of the building. Run back the direction I just was in. Yeah. There's not a naked... What are you going to do on the roof? And then it gets better because she then runs the like 60 fucking feet to the edge of the roof. (laughs) I was like, what? What? I thought they were going to throw her off the roof. Oh, yeah. Anyway, the roof has these big red flashing lights on it. And we see Lisa look back and focus on a very creepy Hannah Grace slowly walking closer. Lisa then uh, right. Lisa then rises off the ground and her arms stretch out to her sides like a crucifix position. Uh, This is where I put in here that this must be Hannah's signature move. (laughs) Finish her. I put it like like Mortal Kombat, like Sub-Zero's ice, the Mm -hmm. finisher. Yeah. Uh, Lisa's arms and legs begin to break and Hannah is now right in front of her. Lisa screams in pain and then we hear the neck snap and Lisa goes quiet. We get the shot of the hospital building right after that. And I am with you. I thought that uh, Hannah was going to throw Lisa off the roof and make it look like Lisa jumped. I did too. I and was then, like. And then, and then of course, Megan would have been like, I know she didn't jump. I just talked to her and it would have made her feel even more crazy. And, and, she the, I don't, and everybody's I just, like, well, you know, she had her substance abuse problems and she just couldn't take it no more. And she jumped and Megan's like, like, no, you don't know what you're talking about. I'm a cop. Maybe <laughs> Megan was like, oh, God, she touched my Xanax. She relapsed. She touched the bottle. I actually thought about that when she wouldn't take the bottle. I was like, maybe she doesn't want to take it because she's. Take well, it. yeah, I actually put that in my notes because uh, she says that she kept the Xanax because they, uh, it, it's comforting that she has them, and I'm like, no, that's not how addicts' brain works. Comforting when you have them in your digestive system. Yeah, <laughs> an, an addict would have totally been like, okay, I'm just gonna take these and then I'm gonna be done. This would be my last bit, but I already got them. Like, and then with all this shit going on, she would have been like. 
okay, well, now I have an excuse to take them, and then I'll just stop after this. There's no person that was that bad off that's going to carry this shit around and not take it. I don't believe her. I don't believe her in the movie. Well, she's, I think she she's says that them. she tells Lisa that she didn't take any. And I I originally, after the first time I watched it, I was like, I fucking watched you take two of them. Yeah. But when I watched it the second time, so I could see her shitting again, yeah. <laughs> um, I was like, oh, well, they never actually show her taking them. So maybe she puts them back in the bottle. I don't know. I think she's fucking lying. I think she's that, a cop. She didn't lie. Yeah. I think there's no way that she stole. She wanted those pills so bad she stole them from her ex, knowing he was going to notice. If she went that far, she was taking those fucking pills. Um, anyway, back to the roof. They missed a, a great shot to throw this bitch off the roof. That's I don't even I know say. why they gave us that wide shot. You don't take somebody to a roof and give us a wide shot in a horror movie where they're about to die and not give us a, a fall off of the roof, at least a punched head flying off the roof like some Jason and Manhattan shit. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. The the best boxing <clears throat> fight to ever happen in horror. Not taking nothing, but, but this gun. gun. Down in the mor- down in the morgue, Randy shows up again with another corpse. Uh, again, Megan pulls Hannah out of the freezer. <laughs> it's like the sixth time. Hannah's body can't get cold because Megan keeps fucking pulling it out. Um, She unzips the bag and asks Randy if he remembers the big gash on her side. And he says he does. She then shows him that the gash has somehow healed itself. Yeah, you can't miss that gash. There ain't no way. Especially when you have uh, her body outside the cooler more than inside the cooler, you, you know. Even the guy, I'm saying even for Randy, like bringing that. If I had that job... I probably wouldn't pay attention to 99% of the bodies that went through, but if I seen that, I would remember that. Well, you can, I wouldn't forget that. You can catch a glimpse of her, and you notice like four things, which is slash on the hip, slash on the neck, burn mark, and she's naked. She is naked. That's it. That's, that, that will burn into your mind. All the other shit is whatever. Uh, Megan also notices that Hannah's burnt arm has healed up, she then tells Randy that the camera and the fingerprint computer broke down right after Hannah arrived. And he's like, yeah, that's weird. Then she tells him that according to the police, Hannah Grace died three months ago in an exorcism. And I think he has a pretty realistic reaction. I agree. He's I like, think he is the most oh. <laughs> level-headed person in this entire movie. Uh, he then explains that he used to have a drinking problem, which I feel like this story almost kind of came out of left field. But he, he says he used to have a drinking problem and he lied and stole uh, and all that stuff. But then he had a kid and straightened his life up. He thinks that there is a rational explanation for this and warns Megan not to let this drive her crazy. Does he know don't, she was a drug addict? Yeah, I just want like, to think you his say that? story really correlates with this dead body in the exorcism like they don't go together i could get him telling her that story if he knew her past and knew that she had uh addiction problems and you know had relapsed a bunch of times and had a bunch of issues 
him saying that story because he's like, okay, well, clearly she thinks one thing and, you know, I think she's jumping to conclusions. Maybe she's looking for a reason to relapse, whatever. But he doesn't know her. Like, why would you, why would you jump into that story? You, he's met her like what? Once. Twice, once one or other twice? time. You know, another thing that he does is what brings up this kind of whole thing is he's like, what are you doing here? And she's like, what do you mean? And he's like, you're smart and resourceful. What are you doing here? And I'm like, wait a minute. That's fucking. That's not a shitty job. Like, yeah. that's like people that work in morgues, some of, some of them have to have like really good education and you're dealing with, you know, f- dead bodies and things that kill people. Why killed like, uh, that's not, you know, that, you know, as I'm, Jigsaw would say, that's an honorable profession. I'm pretty sure that her job running that place at the night shift, she probably makes more money than him as an EMT. Because EMTs don't make all that money. No, I don't, don't even know if he's an EMT. Is there, like, an EMT job that just transports dead bodies? He doesn't even go, like, save people. I think he just transports dead bodies. He even mentions it at some point. Like, he, he drops the bodies off and then waits for the next call for for another body. So he's not even, like, out there saving people. I don't... And and the EMTs that do already are underpaid. She probably makes more, mo- more money than him. I thought that was just a really rude fucking thing to say. I would take offense to that if somebody said that like, to me. What are you, what are you doing here? You you should be working for like the president. You should be on the secret service. Like I totally get a cop vibe from you. <laughs> <laughs> Megan twenty twenty four. Uh after Randy leaves, Megan calls Andrew, and while she is on the phone, we see a quick glimpse of Hannah crawling on the floor into the elevator. Megan hangs up the call and hears the elevator say it is heading down. Why does the elevator have a voice? <laughs> because this is the <laughs> most modern, up-to-date morgue in the history of the world. I've, I've never been in an elevator that's like, hey, dumbass, did you realize you pressed the up button? <laughs> like, I know, because it says it's going up or down. Like, no shit, I'm the one who pushed the button. Totally it's aware. Like going down to the Starbucks lobby. Yes. Uh, we then see Randy preparing the ambulance to leave when he hears some noises in the back. He then drives off and suddenly hears a thump from under the van. He gets out to inspect under the vehicle when his phone rings. Hear me out. Because I, it's been a while since I've seen this movie. I thought watching this <laughs> since I've gone and fucked things. <laughs> anyway, I thought this was a perfect, perfect time. And, and they have the thump like he hits something and he gets out. They should have fucking dropped her sponsor's body off the roof gonna, onto yeah. the ambulance. That would have made this scene so, so fucking cool. I thought that's what they were going to do. I thought she was going to fucking just slam down on the ambulance and then that's how he was going to end up getting killed, getting out. And then he, then he puts her in the ambulance and backs up 15 feet. And buzzes Megan back down. <laughs> and he's like, I got another body. <laughs> and then she, you know, she goes to put her in the cooler and then looks in the plastic and is like, oh, my God. Yeah. I should have never gave you those Xanax. I should have never, never let you touch that bottle. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I, the credits happened and I was still waiting for this bitch's body to fall off the roof. 
I'm like, are we going to get like a, a, like, how could you give us that shot and not throw her off the roof at some point? Well, we do see her body later. It's not. No, but it doesn't fall off of the fucking roof yeah, like it should no have. Missed opportunity. You you literally, she was like five feet from the roof. You raise her like 10 feet in the air, snap her neck, do your fucking finisher move, and you don't throw her off the roof. Like what a, what a polite demon. Uh, when he answers, all he hears is static, and he then begins to look around the parking garage. Uh, so his phone rings, and when he answers, all he hears is static. He then begins to look around the parking garage. He starts to hear a bone-cracking sound behind him. He turns around with a flashlight and sees Hannah hiding in the shadows. He tries to hide between two vans when suddenly the vans begin to slide together and crush him. A van door then slams into his face, <sighs> knocking him into a daze. We then see Hannah crawl up to him, grab him by the throat, and violently squeeze his neck, killing him. Bro, that door shot to the fucking head was was brutal. Yeah. It was totally like a Undertaker mankind. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> It was a steel chair to the head shot. Oh. Like, that's that's what it was. That's what it was. <laughs> Go ahead and get it out. <laughs> you don't realize how, mu- <laughs> how much, like, six years of your childhood can really, like... Okay, let, let's set the record straight. <laughs> so, in editing, I keep noticing that he keeps making... Ref- wrestling references, which is weird because he doesn't watch wrestling. And I started editing them out because I was like, okay, people are going to be like, you know, this dude's really into wrestling. And that's, uh-huh. you know, not entirely true. <laughs> no, and uh, That's not true at all. I haven't no. watched wrestling since I was like eight. So I told him, I said, hey, man, I don't know. To, I don't know if you notice, but you make a wrestling reference every Fucking episode. <laughs> Last episode, it was... I, I literally stopped myself. I think you said degeneration or something. I was like, yep. break it down. Man, I, <laughs> did you cut it? I don't know. I might, have, I might have let it go. I stopped myself before I did that. dun 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 <sighs> But it, the, the, it is... When we were kids in the, the late 90s, when wrestling was at its peak and... You're a kid, like a lot of kids watch wrestling. And I I never noticed until we did the show how much like those references come up in our conversations all the time, even though we haven't watched wrestling in like 25 years. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's been, uh, I mean, I think last time I was like 13 or something. It's been a long fucking time. Well, but anyway, this was a total steel shot, steel chair shot to the head. That's what this was. Nothing against people who watch wrestling. You watch wrestling, you know, you do you, you like that or whatever. But I thought it was weird because we literally never talk about wrestling until we record a fucking episode and then wrestling comes up. It's just odd. Uh, So Megan watches the camera footage from a few months before uh, when she sees Hannah crawl into the elevator. She then rushes downstairs to check on Randy, but doesn't see him. 
She begins to look around the parking garage where she eventually finds Randy's body with his head crushed. Bro, did this demon just literally crush his head up against this concrete wall with an ambulance? Because it wasn't wasn't there like that. It wasn't positioned that close to the wall before. I'm not sure because it's like she tried to make it look like the vehicle accidentally killed him. No. I don't get it. I don't... She picked that van up like a steel chair. (laughs) (laughs) It's like she pinned him against the wall with the ambulance, and that's how she killed him. So the ambulance was waiting on the three count from the ref? I guess so. Yeah, Yeah, call on the undertaker, man. This guy's done. (laughs) Uh, Before she can make it back to the building, her phone rings with a call from Andrew. Andrew yells for her to immediately go to the security desk because the guy who attacked her earlier killed two cops and escaped. We then suddenly see the man attack Megan from behind. He forces her to take him to Hanny's, Hannah's body. Hanny. Hanny. Did I call her Hanny? <laughs> you did. That's my girl, Hanny. She's just a little burn up by her pimp. She's good. Uh, they pull her out. Uh, uh, <laughs> they pull her out of the cooler and unzip the bag again. <laughs> <laughs> We then see that Hannah's burns have begun to heal and that the man asks Megan if she sees what's going on. He explains that Hannah is able to heal herself bit by bit from killing other people. Megan tells the man that she believes what he is telling her and she wants to help him destroy the body. The man calms down and explains that he is Hannah's father and that Hannah had struggled very badly with depression for years. Until one day, it finally broke her down. Soon after that, she then got possessed by this evil demonic force. The church performed many different exorcisms on her, but they never were successful. They exorcised the fuck out of her. A lot of punching bags and push-ups. He said he finally had to kill her in order to save other people's lives. He should have been a cop. So cops think. Movie cops. Uh, They then took her body to a mortuary to prepare her for burial, but the next day when they returned, Hannah had killed the four mortuary workers. They have tried many different ways to kill her for good, but none of them work, so they must burn the body for good. They take her to the incinerator, where she then suddenly gets off the gurney and attacks Megan. The man stabs Hannah and tries to subdue her, but she is too strong. All that exercise him. The man then turns and pushes Megan away from the incinerator to safety. Hannah grabs him by the throat and forces him into the fire. Hannah turns to look at Megan. She said, you're next, bitch. This, she she this had is, that look. This is the Undertaker and Kane uh, fire, fire match. That's what this was. Megan runs away with Hannah crawling behind her. As Megan exits the elevator, she begins to have a massive panic attack. She is attempting to breathe but can't catch her breath. Megan then collapses on the floor as she begins to black out. We then see Hannah crawling down from the wall and onto the floor, heading straight for Megan. So at this point, I think it's, I I don't know if you mention it after this in the in the notes, but the dad asked Megan, like, why hasn't she killed you yet? So I still they, don't know that answer. Oh, well, he, so they are basically saying in this movie that this demon is trying to take Hannah's or trying to take Megan's body because that's how he got Hannah. 
Remember, the dad explains she had bad uh, depression and anxiety, and it, it beat down on her and beat down on her and finally took over her body. That's why Megan hasn't been killed yet. This demon wants Megan's body. So I clear that up, and that actually may, will probably make the end make more sense to you, yeah. too. Does the demon know she's a cop? I don't know. But because, I, you know, I, like... You know, if if I'm Megan and he told me this, I'm popping a fucking Xanax. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta push that fucking anxiety off because it's gonna get me killed. Gotta get that Zanny. That, that's why when she starts to black out from the panic attack, you see the demon Hannah crawling, crawling down towards her. It's trying to weaken her to take her. Surprised you didn't catch that. That's why the dad is like. You know, when he when he first comes in, he's well, like, "Why hasn't she? Why hasn't she killed you yet?" Well, there was there's so there's another scene though too um, that I don't know kind of confused me, and I thought maybe it had something to do with that. But in the beginning, and uh, you know, probably the second or third time, she takes the fucking Hannah out of the cooler, and that glass falls, and she cleans it up, and she cuts her hand, and when she goes to put Hannah back into the cooler and close the door, we get a really quick scene where um, her blood from her hand drips onto uh, Hannah. And I was like, well, maybe that, maybe that's important, but I don't know. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if that, that goes into it or not. Maybe, but that this is de- definitely the direction that they were taking this movie. It's because the way they ended the movie even makes that make more sense. Uh, Yeah. So, this scene, man, this is this is like one of our I think it might be our first scene where we actually see Hannah like creepily that's not a word. <laughs> it is. It is. Creepily crawling uh for longer than 1 second. And I will say that uh the actress who plays Hannah, Kirby Johnson, does an amazing job here. Like she is really good at being fucking creepy. Yeah, so for those who don't know, which is probably everybody, because I had no fucking idea, Kirby Johnson is a body contortionist. Yes. That's why they got her to do this movie. And she can do things like pop her shoulder out of place and pop her neck like weird ways and like make her joint super weird while she crawls around. Um, I thought that was really cool that they took the time to get somebody who could really do this stuff. Unfortunately, the way they shot the movie... It's hard to tell that those aren't CGI because yeah, because so many they, other people have done it and it been CGI, so and it takes they sh- away from that. They shot it the same as in they these possession movies always do these crazy lightings with with like strobe lightings, but at the same time they do like seven different camera angles of one thing and it it flashes different camera angles. And then they'll go in with CGI and they'll add like a blackness coming up her skin, up her back. And when you put all that stuff together, you can't tell it's real. And that's unfortunate because have we gotten a raw, like just one camera angle with no CGI on the skin of her in makeup doing some of this potty contortion? It would have, and you felt like you were there, like it would have been such a creepier movie. Like, when I say this, think Exorcist. Think, think the scenes where Reagan's laying in the room and there's no noise; it's just silence, and all you can do is hear her breathing and you can see the breaths. 
and they always shoot it from one or two camera angles, and it feels like you're there. Like, they didn't add all this effects onto the voices, all these different camera angles. They didn't use, like, crazy strobing lights. They didn't do these super up-close fucking weird shots. If they would have shot this movie in that style with the uh, makeup effects as good as they were and Kirby Johnson being as good as she was at body contortion, this movie could have been, I think, a whole point higher in the ratings. Yeah, she she does really good, man. She's really awesome. She's flexible. I think that if she had this, like she was playing the same character doing the same stuff in a found footage... I think that it would be so much cooler because found footage, you get that one. It's like, it's more of that raw one uh, angled shot. You would actually get to see her skills displayed a lot better through something like that. But yeah, yeah, she's awesome. I don't need 15 different shots. I want to, I want to look and see and take in what I'm looking at. And I didn't really get to do that until I seen the extras when I got to see her, in the light, up close, and with all the effects and her doing some of the body contortion stuff, it looks really, really cool. I don't need you to go in with CGI and add, like, black veins running up her back and stuff Why? why it's happening and 15 different camera angles and it looks like I'm in a nightclub because it's dark and there's strobing lights everywhere. It's just too much. Uh, Hannah then climbs on top of Megan and places her hand over Megan's mouth, making it more difficult to breathe. We then see Megan finally go unconscious and Hannah begins to drag her away by her hair. We also see here uh, Hannah's burns are almost completely healed. Next, we see that Andrew has arrived at the morgue and he finds Randy's body and Megan's phone in the parking garage. He then heads into the morgue where the power then completely shuts off. He pulls out his gun and flashlight and begins to search for Megan because he still loves her. While he is looking around, we see that Megan is beginning to wake up from her blackout. And where is she at currently? In the goddamn body cooler. Yeah, you should have quit opening that fucking door. I would be done. Uh, The claustrophobia in there. And uh, also, I never realized that they're all open inside like that. I, I, I never really thought that. about that. No. That I, makes sense. I, well, it does because it's refrigerated. Yeah. So it, it probably makes, it does, it, it not probably, it makes a lot of sense. But yeah. I, I never noticed that either. But man, I would be praying to God I had the Xanax in my pocket. That's all I can say. Because instant panic attack if I woke up locked in that motherfucker. Ah, uh, yeah. No, I, it, when I got out of there, I would, I, no more investigation. I don't care. I'm, I'm leaving. I'm going home. But yeah, she starts freaking That's out. That's why you're not a cop. Yeah. Uh, she starts freaking out. And while inside, she sees the bodies of Dave and Lisa. So she begins repeatedly kicking at the freezer door. She finally gets the door to pop open and she falls out there as quickly as possible. Don't blame her. When she escapes the cooler, we see Andrew and the other security guard rush over to help her. There is suddenly a very loud screeching noise throughout the whole room, and the lights begin to flicker. Big surprise. Yeah, more flicker. Flicker in the whole goddamn movie. The security guard uh, sees Hannah crawling on the wall close to the non-existent ceiling, and he says, "Fuck no." He 
basically what everyone else should have done earlier. He takes off running towards the door, but he can't get it to open in time. Andrew and Megan then turn around just in time to see Hannah slash the security guard's throat. Bro, this poor security guard, he's been here this entire movie. He has no has idea. no idea what's going on. There's a di- I don't know how. Their, their desk is literally by the front door and fucking Randy Dunn got killed. Uh, the demon Dunn got out and drove the ambulance into him and smashed him up against the wall. Well, he don't really like to leave that uh, desk and it seemed pretty quiet over there where he is. So man. Yeah. Uh, He's like, my partner's been missing for four hours and I really am not going to leave the desk to go look for him. Fuck he's, him. He's not going to overexert himself. He's probably trying to watch some of the nurses or something shit. <laughs> Andrew pulls his gun. Uh, Andrew pulls his gun to shoot her, but Hannah gets him with her special finisher move. His arms begin to stretch out to his side, and his bones begin to crack as he lifts off the floor. Finish him. Megan then decides it is time for the final showdown between her and Hannah. Former cop versus demon. It's a pretty equal match. Megan gives her uh, what I like to call the Eleven look. Uh, she gives her the same look Eleven from Stranger Things does when she's using like her max bloody nose power, powers. bloody nose power against an opponent. It's the same thing. Megan then grabs the gun from Andrew's hand and cocks it before pointing it at Hannah. And I want to point out that's the third time that gun's been cocked in about ten minutes. I counted. Parking garage. <laughs> So it's it was like there's like rounds sitting all over the yeah. <laughs> So it was cocked in the parking garage when Andrew first arrives. When Andrew's looking for Megan in the morgue, he cocks it, and then now, three times. Telling you, there's probably there's like three nine mils sitting around the laying around. Megan then begins to fire bullets into Hannah. The first two hitting her in the chest, of which she answers back with a snarl. Megan walks towards her while firing round after round into her. Hannah is now on her knees. Mm-hmm. On her knees. Hannah is now on her knees staring up at Megan, who is now right in front of her. Hannah lets out a guttural scream and Megan fires two more shots into her. Hannah goes quiet and falls to the floor, and we also see Andrew drop in the background. Megan and Andrew go to escape on the elevator, but Megan decides to stay right before the doors close. Next, we see her load Hannah's body onto a gurney and take her to the incinerator. Well, she had to finish that shift. She's like, I'm got not to. leaving. I'm I not better leaving get fucking here. paid for this. I've got 15 minutes left on my shift. I'm not leaving. I fucking, I hate this part, though. Uh, just going to put that out there. Chopping, she's been chopped up. She's been beaten. She's been burned. She's been suffocated. But we've finally found this demon's weakness. Nine millimeter full metal jacket. No, 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 no. It has to be a cop's gun. That's where the power comes from. Oh, it's not, not a regular gun. It's not just a nine mil. Nope. It has to a be a cop's, cop's nine, nine mil. mil. Yeah. Full metal jacket. Make sure it, you put that in there. It's got the, the inside the bullet is the protect and serve powder. Oh, the yeah. per- protect and serve powder. Yeah, I found that Fuck, in my I research. For- forgot that existed. Yeah. And that's what that's what Megan's doing here. She's protecting mm-hmm. and serving. She ain't even getting paid by the police anymore. She's still doing her job because it's in her DNA. It's in her blood. She snorted some of that protect and serve powder when she was in the academy. Why well, she didn't take the Xannies. She's locked in now. She'll never, never, 
never leave her post. As she is sliding her in, Hannah grabs her head and tries to lunge at her. Megan fights her off and begins to push her father. Father, push her fucking father. Dad's still not done being burning there. Uh, Jim begins to push her further into the flames. Uh, We then hear Hannah turn back into a human and scream for Megan to help her. Megan gets her in and closes the door as we hear a final demonic scream. So we get the demon leaves Hannah. As she's being pushed into the fire. The Dina... The Dina... The Dina Molina. <laughs> That's the, the, the demon called an Uber and got out of there before things got too bad. The demon's like, Megan, wipe your ass. <laughs> well, the demon didn't jump into her. Went to jump in and was like, wait a minute. It's a <laughs> shitty butt here. <laughs> <laughs> Not shitty asshole. <laughs> Who doesn't wipe? (laughs) Even if there's a demon, who doesn't wipe? Bro, real life, like real real shit in this scenario, I'm wiping my ass. It's going to be really quick, but I am wiping. He's like, even in hell, we wipe. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, next we see Megan sitting in the hallway, like 15 feet away from the dead security guard. (laughs) It's totally not a big deal. Uh, and she is just sitting there bouncing her rubber ball against the wall when suddenly the police burst through the door with guns drawn. This would have been a good time to go wipe your ass. <laughs> like, it's done now. <laughs> There's nothing going on. Like, you, you have nothing to do. Just go wipe your ass. Andrew is with them and immediately runs to check on Megan because love. And he helps her up and they begin to walk out of the morgue. Next, we get a couple uh, broad shots of Boston in the morning, and we see Megan jogging down the street, looking very motivated. We hear her voiceover that tells us that she is now 62 days clean, and she is thankful for how far she has come, and it is not easy. She then steps out of the shower and looks into the mirror and notices a fly on the glass. She stares at it for a moment and then smashes it with her hand. Her voiceover says, Nothing's going to stop me now, and the movie ends. So did you get the the ending? Yeah, I think that it is possessing her here. Yeah, so they left this open-ended, and I I think they missed a huge opportunity here. But going back to what what I was talking about earlier, the demon clearly wants her body. You hear the demon leave right as Hannah's, before Hannah dies. Did... Did you notice that every shot of her at the end, they didn't show her left eye? Yep, I was about to say out. that. So, w- I this, even paused this, it to see if it was blue under her hair because you could kind of see it, but it wasn't. Yeah, when this movie ends, uh, you know, you're you're looking for that eye because it's the mark of the demon, and they leave it out intentionally. I think they missed a huge opportunity to do a reveal of the eye at the end, or. I'm okay with the open-ended ending where we don't know, but I think they should have left the commentary of her at the end out. Because the commentary in there doesn't make sense with her possibly being possessed. I think that that should have been left out. I think either they should have showed the eye and did the big reveal, like she did get possessed. It should have been the last scene of the movie, which I thought they were going to do in the bathroom. I thought her hair was going to move over and it was going to show her eye a different color. 
or leave it how it was and take the commentary out. I I didn't like the commentary. I personally think that this is more complex than they didn't do a very good job of showing how complex this is. So the way I interpret it is, you know, you got her voiceover saying about how everything's basically bright and sunny now, right? But when she gets out of the shower, the look on her face in the mirror is the complete opposite of what she is saying. And I think what is happening here is she's, um, and this happens with a lot of people where when they're feeling like that, they they almost overcompensate. They overproject. Yeah, they're yeah, yeah yeah they're they're trying to put on the show because they don't want people to see that they're just deep into this depression and so sad and so unhappy. And I think that's what the whole like nothing's gonna stop me now. I think that that is just her trying to play like she's okay, but really she's not. And I I don't think like the demons like inside of her yet. Um. But I think that this is probably like the moment where she has hit this point to where it's going to probably like the fly finally shows up or something. But I mean, she could be. I, I don't a, really know. That's but. a good way to interpret it. Like it hasn't gotten her yet, but she's she's fallen further into that darkness. Yeah, because the think, dad says that the depression worked on her for a long time. Well, you you got to remember, though, she's been going through depression and stuff for a long time. And her dad said that Hannah finally hit a breaking point, And this whole situation at the morgue would have been a breaking point. I think that they don't show her eye uh, intentionally, so you don't know if she's possessed yet or not. I didn't like the commentary because in this movie's version of possession... Hannah is not like faking living a normal life. Like she's not faking and going around like she's full on fucking killing people, full on possessed, dead as fuck looking. But I do like your theory. I will say I do like that. Uh, That would make that make a little more sense that she's not possessed yet, but she's at that breaking point and the demon is still following her, waiting for her. To finally break and and catch that moment of weakness and get inside of her. So I do like that theory. I know where the movie was trying to go. They were trying to leave it like you don't know if she's already possessed or not. They just didn't do it great. They, they didn't do it great. Yeah, I love what they're saying. I love what they're doing with it. I just don't love how they did it. I feel like also, you know, it's not very obvious, and it doesn't have to be obvious in movies. Um, You know, sometimes that's the best is when something's not obvious and you go back and watch it and you catch it. I don't think the first time I watched this movie, I really... I think it went right past me. Yeah, caught on to that dynamic. I thought she was fine. So I hope there's somebody out here that that's, hears this and, and kind of has seen that movie before and this makes them want to go back and watch it. But yeah, I thought that it it didn't necessarily have to be obvious, but I thought they should have did a, a better job of adding some stuff in the background throughout the movie. Because we don't really know that the demon wants her body until the dad kind of asks, you know, why hasn't she, why hasn't Hannah killed you yet? That was the first hint of, and then he, you know, he goes through Hannah's depression and stuff, and then it all makes sense of why the demon has, has not taken her yet. It's trying to get her body. I just thought they could have did it better. 
Kirby Johnson was able to portray a lot of the body contortions without the use of CGI or prosthetics in camera due to her being a dancer, a gymnast, and a contortionist. The exterior of the hospital is actually Boston City Hall. Good old Boston City. I don't, I don't know what I don't that know. is. <laughs> Maybe somebody Boston listen. people will. They'll be like, oh, shit. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Uh, Get it, in the car. <laughs> Get to the city hall in the car. <laughs> Ma. It took four hours to apply all the prosthetic makeup on Kirby Johnson for her role as Hannah Grace. And it only took two hours to remove it. Yeah, she's a trooper. Yeah. I... I, I, I because she had to do that, like, she, there was never really any scenes with her as normal, so she never really got any scenes without having to do all that makeup. Yeah, I, uh, you know, I, I gave the makeup guy that the Grindhouse Syndicate award that means so much that I just made up for this movie. Oh, we already shined his nightstick but, plenty on yeah, <laughs> this episode. But, you know, I, I think she deserves it equally. She did get spotlight though. He didn't. He's he's not known. Like most people who watch this movie have no idea who that guy is. So he he deserves some spotlight. But it, she was great. If I were to say, if I were to be forced to pick, you know, what in this movie is good, it'd be him and her. Oh, absolutely. The rest of it could fall away and I wouldn't care. I like the story too. I will say I like I like the the uh concept of the story. I like the I concept. I don't really care for the a lot of parts of the story, but I like the core idea, the basis and of it. That's what I was talking about yeah. at the beginning of this episode though. Her and the the Kirby Johnson and, and the makeup guy it, literally they they are 10 out of 10 at their job. Like they did a fantastic job making this movie and unfortunately i feel like other things with the movie kind of fucked up it, it didn't shine the light on them as much as it should you know she was great the makeup was great we didn't need all this and it's like with the possession movies it's like they copy each other they it's do like they literally go in and shoot them the exact same. I didn't know she was really doing these contortions until after the movie. I thought a bunch of it was CGI. Because, because they, yeah, they do that so much. Because you can't hardly tell. Like, have we gotten an in-the-light shot without all these fucking crazy angles and without these strobing lights and all this different effect happening? And we've seen that? You would be able to tell. Like, holy shit, that, that's, you know, you can see the difference between CGI and something real. But because of the way the movie was shot and it, it being so crazy with the angles and the up close, you don't ever get to see a, a full contortion in one shot to be able to tell that it was real. Uh, all right. So ratings and kill count. The kill count here is six, seven. If you include Hannah herself, you have uh, the first priest, you have Dave, you have Lisa Roberts, you have Randy, Hannah's father, the security guard and Hannah Grace. It's the top one. You're up for favorite kill first is your movie. All right. Well, I put for my best kill, we didn't get to see many. <laughs> that was, that was, we, we, you really don't see many people die. Like, Carrot Dave would have 100% been my favorite kill just because I disliked his character so much, but oh. we don't get to see him die. Uh, the priest, we get to see him die, but they used uh, CGI blood, which ruined that kill for me. So. Who else did we get to see 
die. I picked the security guard. That's that's like the only other one I think I remember us actually seeing die other than in CGI fire, which was very obviously CGI fire from the shots inside. Well, uh, I when I chose mine, I didn't go by that strict guideline. I picked Lisa. And the reason that I picked Lisa is because I did really like the how the red light was flashing and she'd be far away and then it would go off and then it would come on and then she'd be closer and I really liked that part of the kill. That is actually something I had in my notes but we you know we went over that part so quick. That was a cool we 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 end up getting stuck on why did she run up to the roof and we I, we never went back but that was one of the few moments of cinematography that I thought was done good in this movie was the, the red light sl- it's not strobing it's slowly it's flashing, very slowly and she's getting closer and closer and, and even though when i seen the light and i seen her in the distance for the very first time i knew what was i knew what they were going to do but they did it good and i was happy with that i did and yeah. i thought they were going to kill her and throw her off the roof well, um, I mean, that would have one hundred. I thought that was gonna, happen. but I mean, with the her her oh, her yeah. all of a sudden getting like like it's Close like up. she's running when the lights off or something. But yeah, it's, yeah, it's been done many times, but it's still a a great effect. That's good, but unfortunately, I didn't choose her because you don't actually ever get to see her die. Yeah, very few. That that was uh, a, a slight complaint I have in this movie is I wish that they would have followed through and we would have got to see some of the kills. All right, rating. Rating. I gave it a 3.3. I, I, I love that it was a really unique possession story shown from the perspective of the post-exorcism, and the fact that she couldn't die was kind of new. That, that hadn't really been done before. I thought the twist with the the mysterious guy coming out to be her dad. Um, I remember the first time I watched this movie, that was kind of a, a moment I didn't expect. The The biggest things I want to give them credit for, we've already went over, and that's that's Kirby Johnson, them going and getting an actual contortionist to do this movie, and the makeup guy. It's unfortunately, the, the typical CGI, skin color changes, flashing lights, flashing camera angle changes, over-the-top voice effects that every Exorcist in Possession movie has just overshadowed the work that they did, unfortunately. So that's my biggest uh, downfall of the movie. I would say overall it's an alright watch. If you like Possession movies and you want to see something kind of different, check it out. Yeah, You'll it, like it. If you're into, if you watch all the Possession movies every time they come out, You'll love this movie, for sure. I will say, as far as modern-day possession movies, this is one of the better ones for me. Yeah, because it's not the same, you know, rinse and repeat that the, most yeah, of them are. Not the same story. Which which and, I, I just want to throw out there real quick. I heard the other day, The Pope's Exorcism is getting a sequel. What oh, the, my what God. The How did the what fuck? What the fuck? We, I, won't, uh, we won't go on that rant. I that, just want to throw that out there. We, did, we didn't do, like, our, our worst movies of the year, but I think out of all the movies, that was my lowest rated when we did our end of the year. We couldn't rate it because I didn't watch it. <laughs> yeah, well, you didn't miss anything. I, I don't... People like possession movies. I mean, a lot of people do. My wife loves possession movies. I'm sure a lot of people listening do. She will literally watch a dog turd be possessed by a demon. <laughs> she, 
She'll watch Megan's turd. <laughs> Megan's unwiped ass get possessed. Yep. Um, yeah, I mean, a lot of people love it. We don't cover a whole lot of them because we're more of the on the slasher side of things and psychological movies, horror movies. So I will say it is one of the better newer movies because newer possession movies because of the the unique story, the unique perspective, and the main character of the person who's possessed and the special effects. Because most of these movies are just CGI. They're almost all CGI. And so I, I will say it's one of the better modern possession movies. I gave this movie a 2.9. Uh, so, you know, obviously... I, I don't I normally don't rate possession movies very high unless it's actresses one or three. But I will say my likes for this is I, I do also like it being like a different take, uh kind of on a story we've seen a million times. I like it being in a morgue. That's really cool. I like the the keep the keep healing thing after everybody she kills. Um I love the visuals of Hannah and her body, the way she crawled, the bone cracking, all that stuff. My dislikes though the whole being a cop thing, hate that. I would they they could have did this movie and just totally not had her be a cop, and I would have enjoyed the movie better. The intro scene, the intro scene was such a generic exorcism thing. I mean, it, yeah, good God, it, it was. I think the reason that most people don't realize that that's her dad later on in the movie is because you're just so just like it's almost like your brain just goes into uh you know auto mode or something because you already know everything yeah. that happens here it's like i've seen this a hundred times yeah. type thing um i also didn't like how powerful the demon was though like the moving cars and that I, that was a little too much for me the kills mostly being the same finisher move kill that we don't get to really see yeah that was a that was a big negative for me and my biggest complaint was the setting the morgue, way too unrealistic. Uh, I think you did, that you didn't like the Starbucks. I hated the morgue. I like the morgue is cool looking. Like if it was something else, I would be cool with that. I like that style. As a morgue, fuck no. Um, it doesn't even make sense. Like n- the, when you see the rest of the hospital, when she goes up and like she talks to Lisa or she goes to the front desk, the rest of the hospital doesn't look like that. But then the morgue does. And it's so fucking, some of the rooms are so big with almost nothing in them. It's, it's just terrible. I think that this movie would have done better if they had a Chipotle next to the Starbucks connected to the morgue. You know, if it was, if it was closer to like autopsy of Jane Doe. Like, Autopsy of Jane Doe is kind of a similar where it's like a possession movie, but it's it's different. And it's a body that's possessing and fucking with the people that are there working on it. And they do that with um, a small cast in a small setting. That's a good movie. And that is like a that. phenomenal movie. And I think if this movie would have went with a actual realistic setting, that it would have been so much better. Man, yeah. I mean, there's still the other stuff, but I the, my biggest complaint was I just hated that setting. It just, none of that made sense. Maybe there's, is there morgues up north like this? Because down south, they don't look so great. 
Um, I, I, I will throw in there, too, that the actual, the original morgue was a regular morgue, and the, this director actually changed it because he wanted it to feel bigger and emptier and scarier. He also added those fucking lights that are motion detected that she, for 12 different times in the movie, has to flail her arms in the air to get them to work. And then, of course, when bad things are happening, they don't work. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, you know, I think this would have been better done in a, on a much more smaller set and a more realistic set. I would have been, I would have been with that more, but, um, but yeah, that's it, man. 2.9 for me. I was just going to say, it, you know, it's kind of a bummer because they, like you, I thought about it. You mentioned the autopsy of Jane Doe, you know. That's that's a really good movie. I wish we had more like ghosts and paranormal movies that aren't the same. Um, because I actually do enjoy a lot of like The Exorcist. That is when people ask me, that's probably my favorite movie. I love the old Poltergeist, the original Poltergeist. We don't get those anymore. We get kind of the generic same possession movie over and over again. I feel like it's not even a lot of paranormal movies as much as it's just possession movies over and over again. I mean, how many of them came out just this year? Well, yeah, I was about to say, uh, I, you know, I don't really care for possession movies. But when I do like them, I really like them. A good example is we just did our top 10 list for 2023. My top three movies are all fucking possession movies. Oh, yeah. I didn't. I didn't yep. even think about that. Yeah, so when they're done good and they're not like, you know, rinse and repeat, they're great. But, you know, there's too much, there's, you know, there's I, too much of that same shit out there. It's just, you know, and this movie had a really good, really good basis premise for it. And it could have been something like Autopsy of Jane Doe. It could have with the story. But unfortunately, this director decided that he wanted it to be big, grand, unrealistic, and essentially, you know, uh, like the Exorcist Believer. Yeah. Uh, you know. Well, and when the Exorcist Believer first, but uh, when they released the trailer for it, that's, I, what is it? This formula is so predictable that I was able to watch a minute long trailer and I already knew what it was going to be. Because they keep using the same formula. And that's that's the downfall of, of Ghost in Possession movies. Uh, more modern ones. And they're good when they don't use that formula. When they do something different. Um, and it's just a shame that we don't we don't get as many. I, I would really like to kind of do some research. And kind of see where this formula started. Like what started this. Uh, That's a good idea. Yeah, what what started this? Because it's it's been going on for a while now, and uh, unfortunately, them doing that in this movie really kind of put a damper on a really really good lead, possessed actress, uh, Kirby Johnson, and then some some really good effects. Once again, we thank you guys for listening. Please give us a follow or like if you enjoy the show. It helps us a ton. Tell a friend, a family member, or your favorite Catholic priest about the show. We hope to see you next time. Any last words? Always wipe your ass. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. (laughs) I don't have anything to back that up. (laughs) 
Please, for the love of God, wipe your ass. Uh, yeah. We really got a shitting scene in this movie. <laughs>